You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the Green Dragon. Welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast Shorts with Jeremy. And today I'm talking about my experiences playing through, well, starting to play through one of the campaigns in the Defense of the North book. I'm focusing currently on the Assault on Lothlorien campaign. So anyone who's been following the Green Dragon Facebook page or my Instagram or anything like that will notice that I've been putting up a lot of elves and some goblins and, and models similar to that. So I've been trying to go through this campaign. I usually try to, to pick something to focus on with my gaming because what I've learned over the last few years is that uh, my general approach is just to try a bit of everything. And I, I haven't stopped that. That's not something I've avoided yet, but I have mitigated a little bit by just setting myself goals and making sure that, that I focus on something and that I get something to completion before starting the next thing, which is a big thing for me because it's not something I've been able to do in the past. So the Assault on Lothlorien campaign has got five scenarios. There's the crossing of the Anduin, the attack of Lorien, trapped on both sides, the final assault on Lothlorien, and after the final assault on Lothlorien, we've got the fall of Dol Guldur. And these ones have done a really good job of keeping similar participants throughout the whole thing. And uh, I've been starting to play through. I've played through two of them, and I'll do a scenario spotlight very shortly in this episode about those two. But I'll just talk a little bit about my process for, for going through the campaigns. I chose this one because it's the one that I had most of the models done for. I've had a Lothlorien force for quite a long time, and orcs, I've got heaps of orcs. So most of the ones that I need are already available for me, but there was a few models that were released. Orphan and Muzga, the orc shaman, were the two that I didn't actually own the models when the, the book came out, so I had to put those on order. I think I got the orc shaman, actually. He might have come out a little bit earlier than, than that, but I definitely definitely put my order in, got Orphan, and it was a bit of an excuse to paint up these ones. And I've, I've started getting a little bit uh, busy with it and using it as an excuse to update some of my forces. So my Gladrum looked pretty good. I'm happy with those. But my guard of the Gladrum Court, I had three of them painted and I needed four for these scenarios. And I, I really wasn't happy with them. I, I've been trying to paint these models. I've probably got about through, through about four paint jobs with them, just trying to get something looking right. And it just, it wasn't working for me. And I had like a War of the Ring couple trays of these models. I had heaps of them, but I ended up swapping them out with people and getting rid of them because they just didn't inspire me, these models. Unlike David, who absolutely loves them. And I didn't really have a, a reason to paint them, so they just stayed in the cupboard for a long, long time. But I find that a really good reason to it because they're in the scenario, which helps out a lot. So I, I've basically simplified the paint job quite a bit and went extreme with the highlights, and I was pretty happy with that. So I got those ones done. I got Orifin and then Rumil done, and I've recently updated Caliborn. So they were looking really nice. So my Gladrum looked really good. And then the evil side, my orcs are fine. My trackers are okay. I've got some Thunderbolt Mountain miniatures. And some of them I've started converting Hunter Orc heads on them to make them look like trackers. I've also got some GW trackers, but they're not my favorite. I haven't painted them up yet. I probably will when I get a chance. But my trackers don't look great, but everything else is pretty good from the orc side of it. Uh, the Wild Riders are okay. They're not amazing, but they're pretty good. Uh, the spiders, I updated those because some of my spiders are looking pretty worse for wear but the problem was things like the wag marauders i had two painted and they're the games workshop models which are not nice i don't like those models at all so i had printed off some devale um wag rider proxies some some ones and they, they came out really well so i've i've painted up those and be, i'm really proud of those they look great with my goblin force but the rest of my goblin force i had about 12 really well painted goblins that i'd done recently mostly the metal ones and I have hundreds of really, really badly painted goblins that I did over like a 24-hour painting challenge to get a War of the Ring army up and running. 
So I've spent some time repainting enough of those to play through some scenarios because I really like the scenarios to look really good and be be photo fodder. So I've updated a lot of the goblins as well, and that that's really handy. There's a couple more models I want to update before this is all over. So I probably do want to have got those trackers. I probably want to touch up the wag riders, just make sure I've got some really nice looking ones. And I've got I've got three Wood Elf Sentinels at the moment that are all uh, Thunderbolt Mount models. And two are painted like my uh, Thrandall's Halls, so lots of autumn colours. And one is painted with the the more sort of spring colours of my Lothlorien. So I need a couple more of those. So I'll dig through the, the bits box and see if I can come up with some of those and scan the files for some SDLs. We'll see if I've got some spares. I probably have some of the, the GW ones around somewhere. So this has been a real excuse to update my collection. And I've been really enjoying that. So it's it's coming along really well. Oh, I painted Druzag as well. He's, he got an update. So this has really focused my, my attention on putting models together. And I really like what they're doing with this, these scenarios in these books because Games Workshop can't write stories, really. They can't make their own stories up. So these scenarios do tell the story. So you can read through them almost like a, a narrative sort of story, really. It goes through the, the Assault on Lothlorien, which is part of the War of the Ring, uh, which, is, which is nice to have that acknowledged. But also playing through them is a lot of fun. So I'll move now into the scenario spotlight part. Crossing of the Anduin. Sauron's assault on Middle-earth is underway. To the south, a legion of orcs prepares to assail Minas Tirith, whilst to the north, a host of Easterlings march upon Erebor and an army of orcs are making their way through Mirkwood to assault the Woodland Realm. Yet Sauron still fears the power of Galadriel, so in an attempt to buy his forces enough time to crush Erebor and Dale, he sends a separate army to Lothlorien in order to wage war upon the Golden Wood. However, Sauron's plan is not for this army to achieve victory alone. In fact, the army itself is simply not large enough to do so. Instead, the Dark Lord plans for this army of orcs to keep the forces of Lothlorien at bay for long enough that his other armies in the north can crush those that stand against him, before orcs and Easterlings alike congregate upon Lothlorien in order to overwhelm them and bring the Woodland Realm to its knees. To enter the Golden Wood, the forces of Mordor must first cross the fast-flowing waters of the Anduin, a fact that Galadriel well knows. A band of Wood Elves has been commanded to stand guard on the edge of the forest to the east near a ford in the river, the ideal place for the Orcs to cross. As the Orcs approach the river Anduin, the Elves begin to unleash a hail of arrows towards the would-be invaders in hope of driving them backwards and away from Lothlorien. So as you can imagine, the, the layout of this board is the Anduin River. We've got a big river across the middle, which is our sort of standard big river six inches, which is in a lot of scenarios. So most, most scenario players have got one of these. We have a ford that's about six inches wide, so a bit of a bottleneck. Swim it if you want. It takes you a couple of turns to swim across, so you're probably going to start drowning if you do that too often. But it's a big river. We have some woods on either side of it, and the, the woodland realm where the, the elves are is pretty heavily wooded. So you're going to have... Uh, some trees there which is always nice and uh, the, the participants for this one it's a relatively small scenario which is a good thing i like the small scenarios they're often they're often some of the best ones so we have on the good side a wood elf captain with elf bow 12 wood elf warriors um, and of those four have throwing daggers four have spear four have elf bow and one wood elf sentinel these ones are always confusing for people to read through the scenarios just remember semicolons mean a new list so don't Treat it all as, as one set of models until you get to the semicolon 
and then move on. So you've got the Wood Elf Captain with Elf Bow, you've got the 12 Wood Elf Warriors and the Sentinel, and it lists the War Gear. On the evil side, you've got Muzgo Orc Shaman. Once again, confusing because his title is Orc Shaman. And then we have an Orc Captain with Shield, and then we have 12 Orc Warriors, of which four of them have Shield, four have Spear, two have Two-Handed Weapon, two have Bow. Then six Wag Riders, of which two have Shield, two have Throwing Spear, two have Orc Bow. And six Trackers which is going to be a pretty standard orc force throughout this campaign and throughout this book. So if you put those together, you're going to get most of them. The bigger mission here is no banners, but that's probably okay in this type of scenario because this one, the elf force is definitely a skirmish force and there's some special rules to force them to do that. So the good player starts within 12 inches of the western board edge, which is heavily forest boards, and the evil player deploys within 12 inches of the eastern board edge. So it's a classic cross-the-board scenario with the objectives that one force must complete the objective Evil wins, 10 or more models get off the board, and good wins if they prevent that, kill enough to prevent that. So basically, once you've killed a certain amount of models, what is it? Uh, there's 24 to start with. So once you've killed, what's that, 15? Then you're all good. The special rules, though, really make this scenario different from a lot of the ones I've played. So the first one is defend our borders. The good models may not willingly move further than 12 inches away from the western board edge. So willingly is the key word here. If a good model finds itself, itself further than 12 inches from the western board edge at the start of its move phase, it must try to move back within 12 inches if possible. So we assume that that willingly is you can back away in combat because that's something you have to do. So if an orc manages to push you outside the 12 through a combat, yeah, you'd, you'd just go back afterwards. But otherwise, you can't remove that. So that, that makes it challenging because the elves are somewhat limited in how they can ambush the orcs and grab them. And it prevents them just running up to the ford and just bottlenecking it, which is probably a standard elf tactic. At the end of it is deep water, except for the ford, which is open ground. And you get an additional neg one penalty for the swim test. So swimming is not good on the end win, which is, uh, it's brave. You can try it with the trackers if you really want, but I don't know if it's that worth doing. Although one of my opponents that I played did try it and had some success with it. So the elves, of course, in here want to try and shoot as many of the evil models as possible. You've got a choice between what you go for. Do you want to go for the warg riders because they're quite threatening, but then they, they might become wags and still get off the board? Or do you go for something really weak like the trackers and try and just whittle down the numbers as soon as possible? I tended to, to focus on the warg riders because they're the ones that, that I really didn't have much of a defense for. And that's where the sentinel went as well. Lots of singing at the warg riders. Uh, Muzga, I pretty much ignored until... Uh, my captain was able to deal with him. And it feels a very stressful scenario for the good side because the evil side will cross the river. They'll lose some models, but then they'll fan out. So you don't have enough elves to really have a confident go at beating them in combat. And there's, there's always that pressure that the evil side doesn't even have to kill you. They can just walk right by you and get off the board. So it can be quite challenging. But both times I played through this scenario, uh, the good side managed to win it, which surprised me because it didn't feel like they were going to either time. So they just got enough. They lost lots of elves but had a few left over. And there was a few key combats at the end. Most of the time we got sort of seven to eight orcs off. But it was, it was a really good scenario, and it, it impressed me because I didn't expect it would. Some of these artificial limitations about not going places can be frustrating, but what it does is it forces you to, to really focus down on your shooting with the, the bows you have. And you've got a few of them. You've got the Sentinel's got a bow, you've got the four Wood Elves of a bow, and the Orc Captain has a bow, so you, you've got six bows to start off with, which is pretty nice. But then you've also got to decide how you move things. You want to use your Elven Cloak wherever possible to stop the Wild Riders charging you, so you can remember that 
Uh, if you're outside six inches and you have a forest between you, the wild riders aren't going to be able to charge you, which is always nice. The Once the orcs get into it, it doesn't matter because you can see within 12 inches of the elf cloaks. But it does add some tactical options. And, and the one central is a nice touch, whereas you've got some control as the elf player. You can move things around. You can move a key model in the middle and then, then jump onto it. So I really like this scenario. It turned out really well. It was, it was a nice one. The models themselves aren't my favorites because I don't... The wood elf models aren't my favorites. But it played really well. It was really enjoyable. And it's definitely one that I'd, I'd bring out on scenario nights to show people how to work through a scenario. So this was a really nice one. I really enjoyed this one. The next one was the Attack on Lorien. And this is its, uh, where the scenarios are starting to ramp up. It's got an incredibly dense board, but I'll, I'll just go through the introduction. Attack on Lorien. Lothlorien is home to the fabled Malorn, huge trees that grow far taller and stronger than any others in the forest. These trees once grew in Valinor, and it was Galadriel that brought some of the melon seeds with her when she settled in Lothlorien. Melon trees sprout great leaves that turn into a glorious golden colour in the autumn and winter, and it's because of this that Lothlorien is often referred to as the Golden Wood. It is these melon trees that the orcs plan to destroy as they cut their way through the forest. Sauron knows that the elves hold the melon in such high regard and believes that their destruction would demoralise them, allowing his armies to conquer Lothlorien. However, the elves will fiercely protect the Melon trees from any potential harm and have sent an army of Galadrim to fight against the orcs that now threaten to cut them down. Now an army of Galadrim warriors have joined the Wood Elves of the forest as they fight to defend the Melon from the orcs that seek to destroy them. Yet the orcs bring with them something the elves have not anticipated. The orc shaman that marches with the Mordor armies has been trained in a crude form of magic and possesses the power to wither and rot the melon trees from the inside should they be able to get near enough to the trunks of the trees. The layout of this one is incredibly dense woodland. So you've got a melon tree in the middle of a diameter of three inches, and then lots of trees, bushes, and other appropriate undergrowth. And what we learned is it's really important this. A four by four board again, uh, so pretty plain standard elf board, but always nice to play on. And participants this time, we've got Orifin, a Wood Elf Captain Wood Elf both, so from the last scenario, 12 Galadrim Warriors, of which 4 have Shield, 4, uh, four have Spear and Shield, and 4 have Bow, so just a standard sprue. And the 12 Wood Elf Warriors again, so a sprue of those, but no Sentinel this time. So you've got those 24 Elves and then the two heroes. On the evil side, you've got Muzga again, Orc Shaman, and he, he's going to do a bit more this scenario. The Orc Captain with Shield again, or maybe a different one. Another Orc Shaman, 24 orcs, and this is the, the plastic box set worth. So it's going to be uh, 8 with shield, 8 with spear, 4 with two-handed weapon, 4 with orc bow. If you haven't already picked this up, get it from that that mortal set, I think it is, with the, the orcs and the wire riders, and that's all going on clearance at the moment and, and stores around, so that's a good one to pick up if you haven't got these for the scenario. Uh, so you need the wire riders as well, and then the trackers as well. So pretty similar to last time, just more orcs and more elves, as you'd expect. The orcs get a special magic power in this one. It's called Decay. So Mosca and the Orc Shaman get Decay. It's a duration instant spell. It can only be targeted at a melon tree, range of 6 inches, and is cast on a 4+. The melon tree suffers a wound. In addition, it reduces its defense characteristic by 1 for the remainder of the game. And they get a free point of will per turn, but it can only be used to cast the Decay magic power, and it certainly will. Okay, let's go through the, the uh, objectives and special rules. So objectives... 
Uh, the melon trees within Lothorian grow to immense heights, and they're pride of the golden wood. Lots of story in this. This is all good. The game lasts for 10 turns. Good player wins if the melon tree is still alive at the end of the game. Evil player wins immediately if the melon tree is destroyed. So just go kill a tree. Nice. Uh, the special rules are the melon tree has a defense of 10 and 10 wounds. Evil models may fight it in the fight phase, provided they have not already been in or in a fight that turn, and have not made a shooting attack that turn. So they can only fight it in the fight phase. They can't shoot it. Models may use special strikes against the melon tree and may support models fighting the melon tree. So yeah, spear would, spear would chop it down. Interesting. The melon tree will always lose the fight and always counts as trapped. Yeah, so it's, it's going to cop a lot of wounds. And then you've got the decay power coming out as well, reducing its defense, which is problematic. Uh, the, the one thing that's interesting about this is you have a starting position. They're both within 12 inches of the board edge. So the good player's on the western board edge. The evil player's on the eastern board edge. And this is... I don't know. It feels weird to have this sort of race to the middle. There's a, there's another scenario earlier on, which I'll go in through another time, which, which is a race to the middle, and it doesn't quite work. This one does, but what it does whenever you have these race to the middle and you must go in and circle a tree, it's just a march off at the start. So the elves need to really call a march because you can't have the orcs at the tree first. If you do that, you just lose. So you've got a pretty much an auto-lose situation, and I don't like that. I, I think that it's better... If you know that that's going to ruin the scenario, don't make it possible. So set up the elves within six inches of the tree so that, yeah, okay, they can call their march if they really want to, and then they're guaranteed to be around the tree. So if you want to still have that march penalty for them, yeah, you can let them do that. Let them gather around the tree. There's not really that many elves. The other thing we found out is that you need a lot of terrain here because if the evil player can get to that middle undisrupted, they'll just walk through the elves really easily. So you've got to make sure there's lots of trees and things to break it up. Those shamans are so threatening to the trees. They're lowering the defense. Happens really quickly. By about turn three, you're already down to to often defense six or defense five, and that becomes pretty trivially easy if you get orcs into combat with it. So we played this one a few times, and the evil side won them all, but we got closer and closer as we went. So what we did was we increased the amount of trees. Um, I'm not a fan of changing participants in a scenario because the, the amount of work that goes into that, I like just tweaking the rules. So we tweaked the rules a little bit there in that we interpreted it differently. We've got more trees, lots of trees, lots breaking up. And that, that worked reasonably well. And that gave us a pretty close game. We were lucky in our few playthroughs that the the good side won the roll-off, that, that key one. They do the march, and then they do a roll-off to make sure they're around the tree because if the evil side gets the tree first, they're in trouble. But I feel like you could either make it so that the forests make it impossible for the orcs to get there before the elves, or you make it so that the elves set up closer to the tree. Because they're, they're protecting the trees anyway. They could hear these goblins coming, surely. Not goblins, orcs. Yeah, So because you want to you fight. Basically, there's a bit of shooting, but most of it is combat. And orcs are better at combat than, than wood elves, essentially, because there's more of them. So it feels like a little bit of a trap sometimes. The fast-moving wild riders are a massive threat, because you've got to start guarding the trees. You really need Orofin to do lots of work in combat, so he can get bob, bogged down and, and not much happens. Uh, I would change this one a little bit. I want to play it more because I really like it, but I don't think it works for me at the moment in its current state of balance. So what I want to do is I want to increase the amount of defense and wounds that the tree has and then just say you cannot wound it in combat until it gets down to defense 10. So I think that's going to be a good way to tweak the counter a bit, and I think that might be enough. So what I want to do is set up the good side probably probably 18 inches and the evil side uh, 12 inches. And then I probably, I would also make it so it's so dense that even then the elves will get to the tree first. 
or maybe maybe they have to do a marsh or something like that. I don't I don't know. But I want to make sure that the elves pretty consistently get around the tree first because if they don't, it's just it's game over. The the orcs will win. But I want to make it so that it's a little bit harder for the orcs. So they have to have to beat the tree up in combat and not just magic spell it down to defense four and then just walk in and, and breathe on it. So I think that would be a good change there. I find it really strange that the elf, uh, the Galadrian force, doesn't have a banner. It feels like this is a perfect force to have a banner. Fighting around a single point, trying to hold off a bigger force. It just, I don't know, maybe it's too powerful in this one, but there seems to be a real lack of banners in these scenarios, and that, that throws me off. And I guess you could argue that, that banners in the woods, maybe, but they've also got heavy armor, so... I don't know. And that's the case of the other ones as well. So we, the next one, which I haven't played through, trapped on both sides. No banner. Bigger bigger forces. No banner, unfortunately. The final assault in Lothorian. Bigger forces again. No banners, I don't think. No, no banners. That's surely that one's got to have a banner. Gal Galadron Caliborn coming in. Fully armoured Caliborn. They know they're going to battle. Bring a banner. And then the fall of Dol Guldur. No banners. And the, the Lothorian banners are really nice. And they gave us new ones in the Guard of the Galadrum Court. And they've got four of the Guard of the Galadrum Court caught in the scenarios. Convert one up to a scenario, to a banner. Force someone to buy it. It's like, I don't know. That's that's what I would probably change if I was going to rewrite them. I love the old rules where both sides could take a certain number of banners. I definitely would put that in. I want to give it a try. If it's too unbalanced, we'll just tweak it again. But these ones so far, the first one I can see no banner. The second one, definitely put a banner in. And then afterwards, I think my gut feeling says banners. Put some banners. Looks cool as well. But I've really enjoyed these ones. Uh, they're not they're not dud scenarios by any means. They they've been been good so far. All scenarios have a little bit of DIY, but so do all, all points match games. Really, you've got to tweak games to make sure it's balanced. You can't have someone bringing just a random force and someone bring a well well thought out force in a points match game. And in a scenario, you've got to think about your terrain. You've got to think about your models, and you've got to tweak some rules to match your play style. But I've been really enjoying this. And that's pretty much all I've done in Lord of the Rings recently is is work towards this scenario and play through these scenarios. So I, I hope to do more. Uh, there's no promises, of course. But I have really enjoyed this and I could, I'm making some progress now. I'm getting on a bit of a roll and I'm I'm happy with my painting. It's in a good spot. I've got a little bit more time now and, and I'm moving on that way. I'm looking forward to definitely playing the next three. So there's my next ones. I've got my burnings on the painting table. So they'll they'll get painted up and they'll then I'll have enough for the Lothlorien uh, side of the campaign. And two out of three campaigns is pretty good for a book. And then it's a big task of trying to trying to get my way through the, the Easterlings and the Dale and the Dwarfs, which I really want to do because this is my one of my favorite storylines. I like Defense of the North because it was always a storyline that I was interested in. What else is happening in the War of the Ring? And I had written my own scenarios from years ago early on to sort of come up with them. And there were some in the old Return of the King rule book that had some scenarios based on these. And I played through those and I made a Dale Force just because of that. And that was converted out of Rohan, guys don't have that one anymore i've got a new dale force but it's a lot of fun to to go through these and i've really enjoyed this one i'm looking forward to as well trying out the legendary legions because now that i've got uh my musga done and my goblins are looking pretty good i could definitely play that assault on lothlorien uh legendary legion which i think is gonna be very powerful uh but if i'm playing against powerful model armies who cares it would match them um, I don't know if it's going to be overpowered, but I, I, my gut says yes. Maybe. Probably. So, Sword on Lothlorien. I haven't played through. I want to try that. Felbeings and Mirkwood. I've been playing through that one a bit. That's fun. I don't think it's overpowered. But I haven't played against elves yet. So, maybe it is against elves. Uh, Dragon Empire. I haven't, haven't had a go at that. I haven't had a go at the Bjornings yet. Except with proxies. 
And then the Army of the Dale and the Defenders of Erebor. Mm. Army of the Dale just feels like it's it's an auto-take for me. And it's really nice. Defenders of Erebor feels like it's a why bother taking. But I'll play through those at some point. I hope you enjoyed this little catch-up and couple scenario spotlights. I know they're very short. It's Scenario spotlights are hard for podcasts because there's so much work for so little recording. But that's okay because it's important that I do them. So I've played through them. That's part of my hobby. That's part of my fun. And I've really enjoyed it. And I'll come back with some more episodes in the future. Hopefully in the near future. Until then, listeners, Traps Win Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast or on our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.